What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. It has been a minute, Jeremiah. It's been oh, a while yeah. since we've been able to do one of these, brother. Back on the live streams, baby. Back Episodes coming on soon. Live streams. Hey, so uh, something really cool that we're doing tonight for the first time ever. This is like brand new. We are actually doing Super Chats tonight. That's, that's available. Uh, the way the Super Chat works is if you use a Super Chat, to uh, comment on the video or ask a question. As long as it's within reason and we don't have to censor your question, we'll answer it pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Right today's a, yeah, today's a Q&A, so uh, we're definitely going to knock out some viewer questions. They've asked at all different locations, and if you want, I'll go ahead and hit you with one. Dude, hit me with a question to start this whole thing off. All right. So this question comes from... On our YouTube page, I made a post on the community tab, and uh, the YouTube page is just Backpacking Podcast for those that are just listening and not watching the live chat, or excuse me, the live stream, but this question comes from Rusty. He asks, do you guys prefer a continuous ridgeline for your tarps, and then if so, where do you store that at? And I assume when he says, where do you store it, he means like while you're hiking, where do you put that until you get to camp? Okay, let me answer one of those real quick because it's. Uh, I think it's sitting right down here. Hang on. All right. I think. Oh, John's looking for it. Right there. Oh, is that a Brad pod? This is a Brad pod from uh, our good friend Miyagi. Uh, if you're asking where my ridgeline is, it's right there in that little zipped up area right there. So uh, I use a continuous ridgeline, and before this past Wednesday, I probably would have answered straight up continuous ridgeline. No doubt about it. That's all I would ever use. But uh, I went out to the Red River Gorge Wednesday night with my buddy Josh, and he has a hammock gear Dyneema tarp that he uses, and it doesn't have the continuous ridgeline. It's just it's just connected onto each end, and uh, I really like the way the setup was for that. It just seems to be a lot more simple than what I do, and so uh, I'm all about cutting down on difficulty. And uh, so I'm not saying I, I don't like the continuous ridgeline, but I'm going to explore other options because. I could be wrong about the continuous ridgeline. I may, I may be wrong. That may not be the best way for us to uh, to set up our hammock tarps. What do you think, man? What what what, what do you like? Well, I have used the continuous ridgeline. I used two different ones. Uh, one was, I think it's from Dutch, and the other was from UGQ, and they're both fine. I mean, I've even uh, look- had to. We got to say real quick, thank you. We got our first super chat from Karen Griswold. Thank you so much, Karen. That was awesome. Wow. Huge shout out to Karen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, Keep going, man. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. So I have uh, used continuous ridge line, but right now I don't use one. Right now I use um, what are basically line locks. Um, Autumn Ultralight makes them. And I kind of just uh, pair my hammock gear up with all kinds of different things that work for me. So the line locks, they're super cool. And like you're saying, it simplifies things. That's what, that's what Josh has. He has the line locks on his and he really liked, I mean, he was, he's new to hammock camping. The only reason we went, the main reason we went out was to show him how to set up his hammock and uh, cause he'd not used it yet. And it was awesome using that thing, man. I really, I really became a fan of it. I thought that was awesome. So uh, yeah. I, I may be switching it up. I may be trying something different. Yeah, it's always good to to always try different things, and you'll be surprised. You'll have something picked out, and you'll be like, 
oh, this is the way everybody should do it. And then you, you go with somebody else, and they're using something different, and you're like, wow, I, I like that a lot better. Yeah, I, Rusty, we th- we answer, I guess that was his question about the, uh, the ridgeline. So thanks for answering, guys. Hey, no problem, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, our pleasure, Rusty. So it's a good thing we're talking about hammocks to start off with because we are actually sponsored tonight, and I want to give a big shout-out to our sponsor uh, who is who is sponsoring us, and that is Warbonnet. Sewn with Pride in Colorado, USA. And I don't know about you, man, but I've become a huge fan of uh, Warbonnet over the last uh, year or so since we've gotten into a relationship with them. Uh, they make some killer gear, and they're making this uh, custom bad weather bonnet now. It's basically a giant down hood that you can wear. And I've got it pulled up on my screen right now, but you can you pick the sides and inner color. You pick a middle color for it, and you can even pick the drawstring casting color. I mean, you these things are super customizable, and they they look stupid warm. If you're a hammock camper and you're going to be doing any really cold weather backpacking this year, uh, you know that, that that quilt doesn't go over your head. It's it's not made for that. It's not like a sleeping bag. So having something you can wear when you sleep at night in really cold weather or something you can wear when it's really cold outside is nice, and uh, they look awesome. I may I may be considering getting one. Totally. Like when you say custom, I mean, the whole thing is customizable. Yeah. My, my go-to piece of gear for war bonnet and I've tried out different stuff. Um, they actually sent us a few different items before and I fell in love with their tarp. They have the Thunderfly, and, uh, I mean, you can buy whatever size you want. Mine is a 13 foot and it works perfect for my 12 foot hammock. I got a really long hammock. And also, you know, sometimes we have taken a tarp when we know we're going to get some bad weather and you're tent camping because it's no fun for me to just hang out in my tent. I'd much rather be around my friends under my tarp. So when I'm hammock camping, that's not an issue. When tent camping, sometimes I'll bring a tarp just in case or if I know I'm going to get bad weather. But that thing is freaking awesome, man. It has doors on the end, so you know you're going to stay dry and warm in there. Well, and just as just so people understand how much Jeremiah likes this thing, they gave us two to try out last spring. Um, no strings attached. If, once we were done using them, if we didn't like them, just send them back. Jeremiah, Jeremiah liked that 13-foot tarp so much, he actually bought it. So uh, he actually used his own money to buy that tarp. He liked it so much. <laughs> yes. I, I fell in love with it. He actually sent us an 11-foot as well. And, of course, my hammock being 12-foot, that didn't work for me. But like I said, uh, Warbond's got all kinds of different stuff. So make out, make sure you check out their website and uh, pick out whatever you want, whether it's a top quilt like their Diamondback series or whether, um, you know, you want a hammock or uh, any, I mean, anything hammock-related. You know, make sure you check out their website and pick something out that's a good fit for you. Yeah, so big thank you to Warbonnet. You guys are awesome. Thank you once again for sponsoring our video. Now, we got another uh, another uh, super chat while we were there. Um, our adventure says, come come hike Grayson Highlands with us. Man, I love Grayson Highlands. I was just out uh, there last year, man. I love that place. It's beautiful. Yeah, famous for the, the ponies, right? You know, here's the thing for me with, with Grayson Highlands. I never saw a pony. <laughs> not one man and everybody i talked to is like i have no idea where they are like nobody saw them and and uh so i went with miyagi and trips my friend josh and hunter hunter's trip all of us went together and, and hiked and none of us saw ponies 
And we even went uh-huh. two different directions later on. Like none of us saw any ponies. Now we heard one, Josh and I, we hiked out later than they did the next day or the last day. And mm-hmm. we heard one kind of clomping along on the trail and then it just never came out. So never got well, to see the ponies, man, which is really weird. Now, those ponies have been known to come up and lick the salt off of you. Yeah. You know, they they want that salt, but I'm also a little bit skittish with horses. Like, some people make fun of me, you know, but I don't like to get too friendly with horses or cows or really anything, any animal that's big enough to kill me. I'm just not, I, I keep it at arm's length. <laughs> Hey, did you watch when the uh, Shill Brothers went to Grayson Highlands? Uh, probably, but I can't remember. One of them almost got killed by two horses running by. Oh, were they trying to pet him or something? No, they were just hiking, and two horses flew right by. I don't know if it was them or Sam, but one yeah. of them, it says one of them, they also got kicked in the junk last year. They should laugh. Looks like that country exposure. Devin's in here. What's up, man? So, well, let's go. Let's get with another question, man. All right. I have one from earlier from One Stick Price, and they're right now in the chat and says, how do you store sleeping bags at home? So, I'll let John go first. He's kind of sitting in it right now. Yeah, they're right behind me. (laughs) (laughs) They're just uh, quilts I hang uh, horizontally um, because the long baffles, I don't want them to... uh, I don't want the all the down to compress down into one end or the other, so I hang them like that. And then I've also got some sleeping bags that are in storage bags, like right over there's one, and I've got a couple right over here. There's a five degree North Face bag, and uh, I can't remember what the other one is, but there's there's like a fifteen degree next to that. So, and then yeah, I've got another good. one hanging that's got I've got the uh, what's the one that the I can't the remember what's called Max. now Aegis Max. Yeah, I've got that up there, and it's got um the baffles are horizontal so i've got it hanging straight up so yeah you kind of want to hang them if you're going to hang them and it is it is good to hang them especially like if you're coming back from a trip you don't want to keep it compressed and it be wet and get moldy because then it's kind of ruined yeah they really air out well when you hang them up yeah they'll get fluffier and you know like john's saying if you hang it where the baffles are perpendicular to the ground or excuse me parallel to the ground then all the down doesn't just collect in one spot. It kind of stays in position. So you know, Everybody gives you a hard time about your accent, but you use bigger words than I do. <laughs> well, that was one of those math terms, man. That was the math teacher coming out in me. There it is. There it is. We got any more questions? Um, well, I want to answer this question, too, about the storage. Oh, yeah, go so, ahead. Yeah, because I haven't said anything on YouTube, but I typically get a lot of comments on my YouTube of people talking about the background of the videos. And if you're watching online, you notice that the background is different right now. Typically, I have all of my um, sleeping bags or top quilts or under quilts or whatever hanging up on the wall like John's talking about. But right now, they're not. And we took them all down. We painted this room. And uh, I actually plan on moving soon setting up a new studio at a different place. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, YouTube uh, money is just uh, <laughs> turn Jeremiah into a millionaire. He's going out and buying new houses and stuff. I wish. The, <laughs> the housing market is pretty crazy right now. But uh, mine are all compressed. And I'm kind of storing them, you know, just in one of these closets. But typically I leave mine hanging too. 
Now for the questions, uh, love to wonder, ask question, are you only answering super questions? Uh, super chat questions and the answer there is no we are yes, not absolutely oh, we're not <laughs> no we're not, we're not no we're no. not doing so that. we're pulling some questions from instagram um the backpacking podcast actually has an instagram and i made a post on there and we got some questions and then i have my community tab on the jeremiah stringer hikes youtube channel and the backpacking podcast channel so we're going to be taking questions from all of those as well as questions from the chat today, including Super Chat questions. Um, I don't think that we'll get to every question that's been asked, but I guarantee you that uh, if it is a Super Chat, we're 100% going to see it. Yeah. And we really appreciate the support and the love that you all show us. So what's up, man? What, what's the next question we got here? All right. I got a, I got a question to uh, I got a question for you, and it's coming from Instagram. Ooh. And it is from Jason, and I'm probably going to butcher your last name, sorry, Heslon. And um, as some of you know, John and I both have been quite on the bigger side, to say the least, you know, overweight, and John's doing a great job. If you've listened to the podcast, any, especially lately, we've talked a lot about nutrition and how John's doing. So Jason wants to know um, – what are some good tips for big-bellied, bearded backpackers? For example, maybe your hip belt's not sitting right or not doing its job. So how do you address that problem, John? Um, I, I, will, I will say, like, last November, uh, I, got, I had an Osprey Atmos. I still have it. It's sitting back here behind me. But I was using an Osprey Atmos 60, 65, I think. Um, and I took that out to uh, Chiaha Mountain with – who was I with? That was Crow Flies Hiking. Brad uh, was out there with him and we were hiking for the weekend and I used that backpack and I couldn't get it comfortable. And it was just because my weight, I, the, the belt wasn't quite the right size for what I was wearing. So I think the biggest thing, if you're overweight um, is really being intentional about sizing your backpack, especially the hip belt, because if it if it's uncomfortable at all, you're not going to enjoy the entire weekend or week or whatever it is you're doing. Um, as you as you lose weight, it it doesn't bother. It seems at least for me. I'm not going to speak for other people, but for me, since I've been losing weight, I've lost about 70 pounds since uh, I guess it was July of last year. And uh, it's those that same backpack does not feel as bad as it did in November of last year. Um, it's just it feels better. Also, um, the big th- I, I'll just say this because I want to be careful because I. I'm I'm still dealing with weight loss right now, but the best thing I've ever done for my pack weight is to lose weight. And the best thing I've ever done for my knees and my back and my feet and my ankles is, is lose weight. And that's that's been the best thing for me for being able to hike better and to enjoy it more and not constantly feel like I'm dying when I'm going up a hill. So um, finding gear that fits right is huge, but also be proactive in trying to get in shape. You know, you don't have to be skinny, but when you're, you're big enough that it's hard to find gear that fits, it's time to start thinking, man, I got to do something to fix this. So, yeah. And I want to piggyback on that because, uh, for those that don't know, I mean, right now I'm probably like about 210 and I was about 300 and my first backpacking trip I ever went on years ago, I was like uh, around 190 pounds. 
I was in very, very good shape. I was doing a ton of cardio and weightlifting like five or six days a week. And even though I had a ton of weight in my backpack, because I had, as my first trip, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I still was able to carry that weight. But then, I mean, you can't maintain that forever. So, like, especially during quarantine and COVID, you know, you're not going to the gym. You're not getting out as much. I gained some weight. I probably got it back up to 225. And then, you know, one of the things that I could do is go backpacking, and my gear didn't fit right. Like, I have that same backpack you were talking about, the Osprey Atmos. And mine's a 65-liter. The hip belt and everything's adjustable, but one of the problems that I run into, um, especially where I've had weight loss in the past, you get some loose skin, and um, that's a problem for a lot of people that lose weight, especially if you're, you're losing a lot. And my hip belt, if I'm wearing a belt, like in my pants, my hip belt and that belt will kind of come together and pinch. Yeah, you know, If so you have fun, a little man. bit of, uh, I call them love handles, you know, I got a little bit of love handles in the back, or if you just got some loose skin there, that right I call there. Them, on me, I call them saddlebags. <laughs> yeah. That's what I call them for me. Well, if they if they get pinched enough, like I've, I've had it start bleeding, and that just like, Oof. I mean, you're having to doctor that, and you're at risk for infection while you're out in the woods, and you're not, you know, you're not showering every day, so things get dirty, and it's just a recipe for getting some kind of infection. So, like John said, the best thing you can do is a little at a time, you know, start transitioning into different life choices and a healthier lifestyle. And, you know, if you're bigger, that shouldn't hold you back from getting out there and going. You can still yeah. get out there as long as you got the right fit of gear. But the biggest thing that's going to help you is to, you know, keep getting healthier and healthier, keep getting more and more fit, but uh, and, live life however you want, but it'll be there, more comfortable. Yeah, there's no fat shaming going on here. Like, I'm fat. So it's like I'm I'm trying not to be, you know, so I get it. And so it's definitely not any no kind of shaming or anything going on right here. Just uh just that's the best thing you can do for your life, period, is is take care of yourself. You only got one body. You can't, you know, you can't go buy a new one. So uh we do have a really cool uh super chat here from Jackson Cooper. Says, where's your favorite place to camp in the Red River Gorge near a water source? Seems like all the best places are up on the ridges. You want to go first on this one, or you want me to go first on this one? Uh, if you have one in mind, I'm going to let you go first because I I want to think about it a little bit. There's a lot yeah, of places got, I like to camp on ridges. Yeah, I've got one that I like. There's if you uh if you go down to Coomer Ridge, um, there is a loop that you can hike. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember the names of the trails. I know part of it's the Rough Trail. And it goes along the creek, but as you're going along the creek on the rough trail part of it, uh, there's actually like a little island in the middle of the creek that you can put three or four people on. Like if, if you're tent camping, I don't believe you can ham. I don't think there's enough trees in that area to hammock camp. But if you're a tent camper, it's right there and you've got water on either side of you. And uh, it's a really cool place to camp out. Uh, I remember the first time I went, I started training for Kilimanjaro. I, I hiked that loop a lot. It's like an 11 mile loop, I think. And uh, so if you're someone who wants to just hike five or six miles in and five or six miles out, that's a, that's like right in the dead center of that loop. And uh, it's a cool place to hike. Now with some of the flooding that's happened over the last couple of years down there, that it might've gotten washed out at this point, but at least two or three years ago, that was there. That was a really cool place to camp out. So 
Well, I'm going to take a kind of a cop out answer. Sorry, sorry, Jackson. I promise you'll have water if you can. But I have two spots in mind that I really love. So one is a place that we typically go if there's a big group of us. And I've camped there, I don't know how many times, probably 10 times now. And it's kind of between Indian Staircase and um, like the Shell Toey if you're passing Indian Arch. And you'll see as soon as you go off trail and you're walking towards Indian Staircase from the Arch, there's all kinds of camping. There is always water on the way to Indian Staircase, and it's at a place called Council Chambers. And for those that are not familiar with the area, it, it's a beautiful spot. There's like a little waterfall, and at the bottom there's always a pool, and it's it's kind of like a little cave or indention there. And I've never seen it run dry. It's, it's always got water. But that is on a ridge. And then my second one, uh, I try not to talk a whole lot about it because I think – I think everybody's in charge of their own decisions, but some people have uh, been a little bit careless, especially like they'll be a little bit risky and they'll take a GoPro and, you know, strap it to them and climb around and they're not secured, but it's Eagle's Nest or some people call it Eagle's Buttress. And it's kind of hard to find. I'm not really going to say how to find it. You can find it if, if you want by, by looking it up and actually doing your research. But at the top of Indian, or excuse me, Eagle's um, Nest, there's another little waterfall. And I've never had an issue when I've camped up there with finding water. So those are both still on a ridge. But just because you're on a ridge doesn't mean you won't have access to water. I think a a lot of times you just got to make sure you know where to look and, and do your research ahead of time because oftentimes ridges will be pretty dry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a beautiful spot. There's also a spot, I mean, you have to hike down like a third of a mile to get to water, and it's a downhill and then back up, but it's mm-hmm. up on the opposite side of Oxia Ridge. If uh, you go to the Oxia Ridge Trail and you take the trail to the left, instead of going up the Oxia Ridge Trail, it's it's like a road. It's like an old dirt service road. But if you hike straight up that and you just keep going and go on past, there is a small campsite up there that overlooks a valley and the sun comes up like if you're facing off the valley, the sun kind of rises uh, just to the right of the valley and it just fills the valley with sunlight and you see all the fog lift. And it's beautiful. That's another beautiful spot. Well, there's so many beautiful spots that you can go to at the gorge. Yeah. I could talk about it all day, but I'm going to hit you with another question. Well, before we do that, we forgot to do something. Okay. We bring the, we brought the, the live streams back and we haven't started the ticker yet. So... <sighs> The ticker is up. The fake news is going. Let's answer some more questions. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next question comes from Jeff Peters, longtime supporter of the podcast oh, yeah. and YouTube. Jeff's a great guy. Yeah. Jeff says, uh, have either of you tried a backcountry bidet yet? And he says, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, it doesn't count just having one. Um, if yes, what did you learn about it? So I'll let uh, John take that one. I'll cop out for right now on it because I got one in July or maybe it was June when I got one. I got COVID in July and when I was finally starting to feel healthy and everything was good, my wife got COVID and I still had to stay in the in the house and take care of kids. And I finally got to go out since then, but I haven't had to poop. They were overnighters and I didn't have to poop the next day. So I haven't uh. used the bidet yet. I've got it. I know what it's there for. I know how to use it. I just haven't had the chance to do it yet. 
Now you, on the other hand, you actually have real world. And we talked about poop just so everybody can be happy. We're back for real now. Um, you've actually used it. Tell us about like your experience using the bidet. Well, I got to tell you, if you're going to use a bidet, uh, try using it at home first. You don't want to get out in the woods and then uh, use it the wrong way and then have, you know, feces all over you or all over your feet or, you know, anywhere it's not supposed to be. So make sure you practice at home first. So I have been using the backcountry bidet since Tom sent me one. And uh, that's Tom Sipernowski. Tom Sifranaski, shout out to you, man. Good man. I use it. I use it every single day that I poop at home. Sometimes I poop at work. So <laughs> I love to wonder. Says poop, poop, poop. We're back at the poop talk. So uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So use it at home first, and I have used it in the woods. And I got to say, it pairs perfectly with the Porta Privy. And if you don't know what that is, it's a poop hammock. You can check it out at theportaprivy.com. So let me ask you this. This is this is a touch graphic, I guess. So like if these kinds of conversations bother you, you might want to put on mute for just a second. But so do you stay in the porta privy and and spray yourself out while you're sitting in it? You can do either. Now the risk is, you know, you can get your porta privy wet and you don't really want to do that. You want to keep it as clean as possible, but you can always wash it. I mean, it's it's your bodily fluid, so once you get home, you know, no big deal. So we just that, use the term bodily fluids in a <laughs> in a podcast. Just want to throw that out there. That's all my opinion. But for the backcountry bidet, uh it works pretty much with any bottle as long as you you know it doesn't have a really, really wide opening for the mouth. And you just stick it in the top and you squirt water through the bidet, you know, at the target zone and wash everything away so here's what i learned about it you don't need as much water as you think now at home i live in luxury i fill up a full like 750 milliliter bottle with lukewarm water and it is fantastic i've also used super super cold water straight out of the fridge one time that was a mistake don't do that (laughs) if now i don't think i actually got frostbite on my bum but I got to tell you, it was sore. It was sore after that. It felt like, you know, making snowballs with your hands and uh, not using gloves for a big lost, snowball fight. Lost the game of Jim says, target zone. Ha ha. Love it. And uh, all things outdoors seems like color selection would be important for a Porter Privy. <laughs> He's not wrong about that. Mine's earth colored. Yeah, so is mine. So is mine. So... Yeah, the Porta Privy, I, I mean, uh, it, it does pa- pair perfectly with the, the bidet. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much what I've learned is use it at home. And whenever you use it out in the woods, you don't have to use all of your water. You know, if, especially if you're in a tight spot, you don't have a whole lot of water, just don't use it. Just use toilet paper instead. But it will cut your toilet paper use, I mean, to a fraction of what you used before. You're basically just cleaning yourself completely with it, with the bidet and then wiping yourself dry. Gotcha. So money shots telling us to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. May have had enough. All right, let me hit you with a, a different question, not, uh, not related to poop. All right, let's hear it. So this comes from our community tab over on YouTube. This is from... 
well, I can't say <laughs> I can't say his name on the podcast. <laughs> I keep it pretty family friendly here. Um, but he asks or she, how are you guys on hikes? Are there any hikes that seem too sketchy that you're kind of reluctant to go on? Slash, what's the the scariest the scariest area you've hiked in that that had some hikes like that? I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. So on hots, I am afraid of hots, which for some reason surprises people that I go backpacking with because I don't care really, I don't care a whole lot about getting too close as long as I feel safe. So the, like the scariest situation I've been in with the hots is whenever you are summiting the highest point in Vermont, which I was lucky enough to do again recently on the Vermont long trail, did a section hike. There's one spot and, um, you're summiting, and there's like an outcropping on a rock. And if you fall, to me, it just looks like you're going to die. Yeah. So I like put my trekking poles away, and I store those, and I crawl around and hug on for dear life and kind of scoop my way around. But that's the scariest situation that I've been in when it comes to the heights and all of that. You know, when your body starts to tingle, you're getting close to the edge. It's a little bit too close for me. Yeah. There's only been one time where I actually got nervous. Like most of the time I don't care. Like I just go. I don't really think about it. Like heights haven't really bothered me all that much. But uh, when I was doing Kilimanjaro back in 2016, um, there was a point where we were going across this. uh, It was on what's called the Barranco Wall. And it's just basically you're just going straight up and you're just kind of doing switchbacks all the way up the side of this cliff. And we got to a certain point on it where you have to step across this like opening, I guess you could call it. And uh, it's about a six foot step across. Well, I'm five foot eight and I have Hobbit legs. So like (laughs) they don't reach that far. You know what I mean? And uh, so literally the, uh, the guy who was, who was guiding us was standing on the other side and he had to reach over, grab my hand and basically pull me across. Um, oh and when I put, when I put my hand on top of the, the rock, I'm putting it right there in the camera. Uh, but when I put my hand up on the rock to hold myself in place before I tried to step up, it's on video. A buddy of mine had a GoPro and actually videoed it. My hand was shaking like a leaf when I put it down on, on the top of that cliff. And it's funny because I'm the five foot eight guy doing it. The guy who was six foot six behind me, he was more scared than I was. And cause it was just like, if you fell, you're done. You know what I mean? Cause it was just an opening. And, uh, so yeah, that was probably the scariest thing I've done. I, I don't think I've done anything at like, I, there was nothing on the shell trace that was scary. There were things that no. were frustrating, but nothing was scary. Uh, I've hiked in a lot of different places. I have yet to really be scared, like worried. So heights don't seem to bother me too much. There was one other situation I was in and it wasn't like a direct result of just being on the edge of a cliff or something. We're in Colorado in the Holy Cross Wilderness, and we reached this this one pass that, you know, depending on the time of year that you go at these higher altitudes, which we were at like twelve or 13,000 feet, there's snow year-round, and I think that we might have been there in July. I can't remember. The point is, is that if the snow isn't packed enough, you know, if it's, if it's started to warm up, you'll post hole. Yeah. And uh if if it's too if it's too rigid then 
you know, you could start sliding. You need crampons or, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't really use that type of equipment because here in Kentucky, I'm never in a situation where I need an ice a- or an ice. Yeah. Is it an ice axe? Yeah. 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 I, I never really need that, that type of winter gear. Yeah. So, uh, but we were up there and I didn't have any of that gear and I also don't have any idea how to self arrest or anything like that. I've never, you know, needed to. And we got there and we started and you could see that if you misstepped or if you started sliding, you would go very, very steeply down a slope into these giant boulders, you know, the size of cars and houses. I mean, these are big mountains. And so that we had to turn around on that trip and backtrack multiple days back to the car instead of making our, uh, our loop all the way around through Holy Cross, uh, Holy Cross wilderness. Well, I was going to say there are times like if you're, po- if it's, if snow's like that and it's really deep and you're going to post hole and it's all rocks underneath. Hey, thanks. Hey, inkblots noticed my hat's on straight. Hey, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, it, if it's, if it's really deep snow and you don't know what's underneath it, well, it could be rocks and things. You could really jack your ankles, your knees, your feet up uh, because if your feet just go right through the snow and, and you hit one of those rocks the wrong way with your foot, you're done, man. And those yeah. are hard places to get out of. So I I tend to like judge. Like I wouldn't call it being scared. I just call it being not stupid. Like when I see that something's yeah. dangerous, like it's dangerous not because it's adventurous. It's dangerous because – you shouldn't be in it. I just don't do that stuff. Yeah. Does that make too. sense? Yeah. I had to turn around because I don't, even though it might've been safe enough, it's not safe enough for me because I don't have enough experience in that situation to know what to do depending on the circumstances. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jeremiah, did you see the news by the way, down below? Jeremiah still doesn't have any merch. <laughs> Relentlessly remind him of it. I hope you're getting emails right now. I hope everybody watching this is sending Jeremiah an email reminding him that he's still, even though he made the promise that at 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, he would make t-shirts, and he's now at over 20,000 subscribers, and we still have no merch. I just want to point that out, Jeremiah. <laughs> well, we're a couple, toot my own horn here now. We're a couple hundred away from like 25,000. So Doesn't maybe matter, because there's no, there's no t-shirts. <laughs> maybe at 25,000. We can do Every, it. Everybody wants, look at this, look at this. Question for Jeremiah. When will you have merch available? <laughs> I just haven't, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I haven't taken the time to research the company that I, I would invest my audience with because I want it to be reputable. You know, I don't Jeremiah, want anybody. Jeremiah, here's, here's the thing, Jeremiah. Here's the thing. It's a t-shirt. It's not hard. And all it has to That's say true. is, What's going on, Hawkers? And if it says that, <laughs> everybody's buying one. I mean, look at this right here. Jeremiah Stringer signature Gonex backpacks available on his merch page for only $14.99 with added shipping and handling fees. Now, that's come, some fake news. Come on, bro. Come on. Hey, this T-shirt. is completely unplanned. Do you see this? I do see that. But you know what? I'm not making those now. And you know why this I'm not is, making those now? It's one of a kind. Yeah, it is now. The company I was using for that they said I one of my t-shirts literally mm-hmm. like I washed it one time and the the screen printing melted. Uh do you use fabric softener? I don't know. Like I wash all my other shirts with fabric softener and they don't melt. 
Yeah, I think it, there's a difference between screen printing and vinyl pressing and heat press. Well, either way, I didn't like it. So, oh, here we go. You better watch out, man. They're getting real now. Let's just start to unsubscribe until he creates merch. <laughs> oh, wow. Mike Jones coming with the hard stuff right there. What's this one? Uh, Ouch. <laughs> all right. Anyways, man. I've I'll, got I've I'll got a, I've got a company that I'm going to be talking to about doing some shirts, and they're pretty reputable. I'll hook you up with the name of them afterwards. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hit me in private. Because uh, all right, we need to do that. I have uh, another question, and we actually just uh, just talked to him. Mustang seven seven four says, "Have you tried an inflatable inflatable sleep pad in a hammock? If so, was it comfortable?" Yes and no. I tried it, did not like it. I'm never going to do it again. I'm not Tim Watson. That guy loves it. Mm-hmm. I can't do it, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think Josh uh, Ebersol Ebersol also is yeah. a a pad kind of guy. Now I have tried it and I have liked it and not liked it. So I tried it in my gathered end hammock. It's actually double layered. And when Miyagi on the trail made it, I said, Hey, I want it double layered because I don't have the money to buy an under quilt yet. It's going to take some time to save. And, uh, he's like, all right, I'll make it double layered, but it's going to be heavy. And I was like, double the okay, weight, man. double the weight. Right. And I stuck a pad in there and immediately was like, I got to buy an under quilt. I don't care if I have to take out a loan, <laughs> sell a kidney, I have to buy an underquilt, and so I did. And then I, I never used a, a sleeping pad in that hammock again. But um, Warbonnet, you know, I, I tried out their um, Ridge Runner, and yeah. it is not a gathered-in hammock. It is a bridge hammock. So um, Warbonnet makes this bridge hammock that it ha- it's kind of double-layered, too. It has a sleeve that you can slide a pad in. And I slipped a pad into that sleeve, and it was below freezing yeah. that night. That's that's and way better. the The bridge oh, hammocks. Yeah. I really want to try a bridge hammock with a with a pad at some point because, um, that would be nice to try because you're laying flat. Like a bridge hammock just lays flat compared to a gathered in. Yeah, hammock. it's it is kind of like laying your tent on your pad, except you're suspended in air. So you know, whenever you get out of the hammock, you're not getting up off the ground. So I was pretty comfortable in that, but in the gathered end hammock, no, that was not for me. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked the question, uh, do they make inflatable pads just for hammocks? They do, actually. They actually look like they have wings on them. They're made so they kind of wrap up around you a little bit. Um, is it Kamek that makes them? And maybe maybe Sea to Summit makes one? Um, but yeah, they make, they make inflatable pads just for hammocks. They are out there. Yeah, and if, if you check out Suge, Suge Emery on YouTube, um, he has, I mean, he's got a ton of videos about hammocks. Like, that's his thing. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, he's the king of hammocking. And he has several videos on pads and hammocks, how to lay comfortable. Um, also, like, you know, if you're ever in a tent and you're laying on a pad and your leg kind of falls off the pad or you wake up and your foot's cold because it's off the pad or something. So Suge has like some hacks and some tips and tricks on how to avoid that in your hammock because the same thing will happen. Like if you're ever in a hammock and your underquilt kind of slides off of a section of you, you'll get cold there. So he like puts on some wings for the the pad in his hammock. And uh, I'd encourage you to check out his, his YouTube channel if you're interested in that kind of thing. 
Yeah, he's he's a relatively unknown YouTuber, so you want to check him out for sure. <laughs> uh, <He's>, we're, <laughs> we're getting a couple ideas here for you on your uh, merch. You need to sell custom bottles of AL8 with your face on them. Huh? Oh, well, L8, they, they did, they reached out to me uh, recently about partnering with them. Maybe I could follow, I could follow up. They're, uh, there we go. That, they, that needs to happen. That needs to bluegrass. happen. They're, okay. That's a Kentucky swamp water. We got two more. We got a couple more ideas for you here. We've got okay. the What's Up Hawker stickers. Yeah, people want the stickers. I haven't made any stickers either. That one, and then this one's great by Ink Blots. Oh, wait, that was the wrong one. Hold up. Hold up. It moved on me. And a T-shirt with his pronunciation of vestibule. <laughs> vestibule. <laughs> if this is your first time watching, uh, there have been times when Jeremiah has been trying to say vestibule and it comes out as vegetable. So uh, it actually, Vest Bryce, Bryce Newbold in one of his own videos talked about vegetables. Um, so <laughs> as the vestibule, Vest vestibule. Yeah. All right, I have another question for you, if uh, if you're ready for it. I'm ready, man. Let's bring it. This one's kind of a curveball, um, and I'm not really sure how you're going to answer it, to be honest. Um, it is from D. Alley from over on the Jeremiah Stringer Hikes community tab. And D. Alley asks, can you guys do a video on how to prep your water filter for first-time use? Specifically, like brand new, right out of the box. Thanks. So I don't think that we'll do a video on that, but we'll be more than happy to answer that question right now. I'll let you answer that. I'm curious okay. how you do what you do. So I I don't want to run tap water through my filter. And in in a very recent episode, we talked a lot about filters. We actually done a battle a battle royale for our gear. If you haven't heard it, and we Jeremiah won. Uh, the Sawyer filter versus the Catadine B-Freeze. Sawyer yep. squeeze versus Catadine. And I don't run tap water through it because that's hard water. In fact, I, a lot of, a lot, I had a lot of people that said use distilled water, especially if you're back flushing it. But I don't really do anything special for my filters right out of the package. Um, they should be pretty good to go. And if it's a reputable filter company, they're going to have very simple instructions on on how to use it. So... For instance, for my Sawyer, um, all I do is fill up the bag and, you know, you might want to make sure that it works before you take it on a trip. But other than that, there's nothing special that you have to do. Yeah. I sometimes, I know when I got my first Sawyer, um, mm -hmm. I did a bag of water through it and then I did water to drink. That's what I did for it the first time. So I basically filled it up. I filled up a dirty water bag and pushed it all through the filter and then put it in a bottle. And then I talked to somebody and they said, you don't need to do that. So I never did it again. But so. there, there, there is some pieces of gear that you're going to use in the kitchen on trail that you do have to prep, like yeah. your cook pot, some cook pots. Um, if you read the instructions, it's going to tell you, Hey, don't just start boiling water in this and use that water. Cause sometimes there's a layer, whether it's Teflon or whatever they use to coat those with, um, you want to boil however much it tells you on the instructions before yeah. actually using that water. I assume that it can make you sick or it kind of contaminates it, the taste or something like that. It definitely makes it taste weird because I did that with a, with a pot and uh, I didn't read the directions. And I thought oh, the water yeah. tasted horrible. And then I went back and looked and realized that I didn't do it right. So it's funny you bring that one up in particular because I actually did that. So um, 
Uh, I, I, also, Doc Watson wanted to make sure that you understood that he suggested poop hammocks with Jeremiah's logo on it. Oh, now, now what if they did? Never mind. I'm not even going to say what I was about to say. This just, <laughs> I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. What if they did uh, wag bags with the target in there that you're trying to hit? Is my face target could be your face in a wag bag? <laughs> okay, I have a, a question for you, also from my community tab, and this one. This one I feel like is is actually very, very important. And it is a long question. I'm going to try to shorten it here. It says, too long didn't read is, should I say something? And then the longer version is basically like, whenever you run upon somebody who looks like they're 100% underprepared, the example that they give is they ran into somebody pretty much in the Adirondacks, no map, no compass, didn't really know where they were going. They were in blue jeans and, you know, cotton T-shirts, and they have a 16-ounce bottle of water among three or four people in the middle of the Adirondacks. When do you say something? Should you say something? Do you just let them figure it out? So, John, what's your your go-to advice on whenever you run into people like that? Because I know all the time you'll run into people in the gorge, and they'll be like, uh, is it this way to get back to here or here? And then they could be several miles from there. Yeah. Um, I've Typically, I've given really good advice, uh, especially if it's an area I know. If we're in the gorge and somebody's asking where something is, I typically am pretty able. I'm pretty – I'm able to help them. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, But one time I got turned around on trail at the gorge and took a wrong turn and sent some dude way the wrong way. And felt horrible, like absolutely horrible when I realized what I did. Like, I I never saw him again, and I, I actually chased after him. Like, I was out there. Uh, I saw Jason that day actually when I was out there. He was out. He just well, I was I was out at Hanson's Point day hiking, and he just walked through the woods. And there's Jason. Uh, Mr. Backpacking <laughs> with Jason, sir. Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir. Just kind of walked out of the thing. It was crazy. Um. So, anyways. Uh, I I saw this guy and he get he had a paper map. Mm. He's like, I'm trying to get here. He goes, How do I get here? Well, I thought I had turned right, but I had turned left. So I told him, just go down here, and you're just going to turn left, and that'll take you where you need to go. I sent that dude down to Coomer Ridge, probably, dude. Ah, uh. like I felt horrible. I went chasing at. I couldn't find him. So I'm hoping he just was like, that guy's an idiot. And doesn't know what he's talking about. And went the right way. Like. That's the only time I've ever given like advice where I've gone like, oh, I hate doing that. But uh, typically, I know where I'm going. Um, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes I, I I like to help people out. Like there was a guy, uh, I guess it was in March or April. My knee had just healed up from when I jacked it up in January, uh-huh. and I went out to, to backpack and hang out for the night. And this guy was there, he recognized who I was, and we started talking for a while. And I noticed he was struggling with his tent, and. Uh, so I walked over and started talking to him, realized he's setting his his fly up inside out was what, what the problem was. And uh, and so I just go, hey, man, do you care if I help you with this? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. And so I kind of explained what was going on. And he's like, oh, my gosh, that explains why it was so hard to hook up last night. And so he had uh, stuck with his fly inside out the night before. And but I was able to help him that night and he set it up and everything looked great. But uh, if I can help people, I always want to like that's just kind of my thing. I like I like helping people. So um, if I get the chance to help people, I will. Uh, typically, I don't do it unless they ask for it. Or if I see they're just really struggling. 
Like if yeah. I see someone who's like trying to set up a hammock and it's just not happening, I'll probably yeah. come over and help them out. But I think that I, I love everything that you're saying there. And I think that is fantastic advice. You never want to step on people's toes and we all make mistakes. But I think that this question is more about you see somebody and you know that they're kind of in danger. I'll give you an example. Um, on that trip that I was talking about earlier um, to Vermont on the long trail. So we had done that summit and we come down to this shelter on the other side and there was a family that was soaking wet. They're all wearing cotton. They're two and a half, three, maybe even four miles from their vehicle. Their plan was to summit in the rain and it's, it's getting cold. It's slick up there. It's all rock. You know, it's, oh, it's yeah. above tree line. It's, it's dangerous. It was dangerous for us coming down. And I feel like we're fairly experienced. It was, you know, several of us that have backpacked a lot. And um, they were just, they didn't know which direction to go. They were not going to make it in time to catch this gondola to, to ride back down the hill instead of hike. And they were like, is this the way? from the shelter on up to the summit. And we were like, yeah, but we didn't know whether to say something or not because they're at serious risk of hypothermia or mechanical injury. But you also don't want to be like, I, I'm greater than thou. I, I, I know these parts and you shouldn't do it this way. You never want to do that. So at what point do you, you say to somebody that you, you can just see that they're they're putting themselves in danger or do you say anything at all cuz that's what this guy's asking is you know what do you do i've i've helped people like the, it's funny the same day that i helped that guy with the tent there was a guy walking up to hanson's point he had a little 3 year old daughter with him and hanson's point you know what it's like it's just a big rock sticking out and if you yeah. got a little kid that's just running all it takes is for them to trip and they're going to fall off the edge oh you're you 100 know? 200 feet yeah and and it's a little kid i mean my 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 son he's 3 he trips over a shadow, you know? I mean, it's just like, that's what they do at that age. And, uh, I, I saw him and he goes, is, is Hanson's point this way? He, I go, yeah. I said, is your daughter going with you? He goes, yes. Yeah. I said, keep an eye on her up there. You know, I, I didn't tell him not to do it, but I was like, you're going to want to keep an eye on her. He goes, why is that? I said, it's real easy for them to run off the edge. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He said, he got up there. They walked out a little ways. He goes, all right, that's good. Let's go back. <laughs> and he came back. <laughs> he goes, man, I'm glad you told me that. Cause he goes, I got up there and I was looking for it. And he goes, uh, yeah, once we got to the end and we saw it, he goes, I had, I wasn't going to let her out there. And, wow. uh, so I, a- I think you need to do that. I think, I mean, I think it's the responsible thing to do. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to like, uh, I guess call it mansplaining, campsplaining. You don't have to campsplain people, you oh, know. Coin you, that, coin that term. Yeah, that, that's my that's my my new shirt. I'm gonna campsplain you. <laughs> um, but uh, you don't need to do that. But but definitely, if you see people and just kind of let them know, hey, you do whatever you want, but I'm just gonna let you know this is what's going on up there. Um, because well, I think Jackson I think Cooper, it helps people. Jackson says it's a fine line between minding your business and offering to help. And I think that is absolutely true. And the way you handled that situation with uh, the father and the child, that is a great way to do it. Don't come off as passive aggressive and don't, don't make them think that you know more than them. But I guess say something in a way that is, is kind and caring because you're looking out for their best interest, but also not, you know, like uh, snarky yeah. and snooty. 
Well, I was I was watching some kids. Uh, they were all wearing like the old Converse All Stars, you know the the Chuck mm-hmm. Taylors. They were wearing some of those, and those are not hiking shoes. And they were out at a trail here where I live, and they were hiking down this hill, and almost every one of them hit their butt on the way down. Wow! And everything in me wanted to be like, guys, when you go hiking, don't wear those shoes. But I was like, I think they figured it out as they slid down the hill, so I didn't need to say anything. <laughs> Some stuff <laughs> you know what I mean. I just kind of was like, eh, I think you guys figured it out. We're good. So we, we we do have some more questions that that I have left on our other media. But if anybody in the chat wants to ask anything, absolutely feel free to to ask away. We love interacting with you all and highly encourage those that only listen to the podcast, check out some of these Monday night live streams and it's a good chance for us to actually talk to you and, you know, get to know some things about our audience and, and interact with you. It's fun. Yeah, it's it is. Fun. Yeah, it is. Well, it lost again what Jim said. He made a similar mistake giving directions near the PCT and the TRT intersect. Like it's, you feel awful because you, you genuinely want to help people and then mm-hmm. you do something, you realize, oh no, and then you can't catch them. Yeah. At that point, it's it's like, oh. And then you're yeah. going, I hope they don't know I have a YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh no, this is great. I just want to hear Dan Becker say to Kyle in a Darth Vader voice, Kyle, I am your father. <laughs> that would be awesome. For the record, uh, Kyle and Dan are actually friends. Yes, they are. I don't know if that may be top secret. I don't know. Maybe I just spoiled it. Well, here's the Uh, thing. Kyle, believe it or not, I mean, Kyle's pretty brash in his videos and stuff. But, dude, he is one of the most respectful people. Like, anytime he's used a picture of somebody or talked about them in a video, he contacts them first. And uh, because I he actually was I, I used a picture of him in my most recent video. Um. And I sent him a message and told him what the video was about and what I was going to use his face for. And yeah. he was all about it. I was just appreciative that somebody actually asked and didn't just use his face. So well, uh, he's a great guy. And he, he has a podcast too, Trail Tales. And, um, you know, I've been a guest on there and it's, it's a really fun show. So if you like this kind of content, you probably like what he has too. <laughs> um, Opening bout of hiker wrestling, John versus Kyle. <laughs> there you go dude he's a way better shape than me if i can end it quick i think i can win uh, but if it goes long he's winning because that boy's got the endurance i don't have the endurance he has yeah if uh so i was whenever i was in vermont he uh he hiked with us some and he he showed up and he's got like his just his little uh hydration pack no shirt and i i walked up and i was I was like, where's, have you seen anybody seen the Abercrombie and Fitch model? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Kyle, he's in great shape, man. He is. Hey, I lost again with Jim. Just put up a cool question and that's a good one. Uh, any tips for getting through a knee injury? I'm recovering from one right now. Rest. Uh, yeah. Like just rest, man. Like as much as you want to get out on trail, don't do it until it's time. Uh, it's the best thing you can do. Um, for people that don't know, back in January, I was hiking with a buddy of mine and, uh, Jumped off of this little rock area, and when I landed, my knee jammed. Like you jam your finger, I jam mm-hmm. my knee, and uh, it's still not great at this point, even. But it's better than it was. But I had to stay off of it for about six weeks, um, and just let it heal. And uh, you just got to do that. It's better to let it heal, rest, and and miss some trail time than to uh, 
try and, and jump it early and then you lose years off your hiking as opposed to a few weeks. So, yeah. And I'll add to that. I had a, I mean, I always have had pretty rough knees. I played football in high school and kind of injured them there and had to do some physical therapy and then re-injured them different, different injury and had to do physical therapy, you know, a few years ago. And I would say another huge thing you can do, even though this is very small, is you can pick some exercises and spend five to ten minutes a day doing those exercising, strengthen, strengthening the muscles around your knee, Yep, especially your quad. So your quad, hamstrings, and your calf. And if you'll strengthen those things, it is it pays dividends for taking less like taking some of the strain off of that joint of your knee. So um, for instance, like even body weight squats, you don't need any equipment. If you have a if you have stairs at your house, like we had stair we have stairs on the deck here. I would go out there and one of the exercises for my physical therapy was to do like a one-legged squat and touch one heel on the ground and the other heel or the other foot is squarely on the stairs. And if you did that, like, I don't know, two sets of 10 every day before you know it, after a month or two, you've only spent five to 10 minutes a day strengthening those legs, but your knees, they're, they're healed. You know, stretching is a big one too. Stretching is a big one. Like when I hurt my knee, I was given stretching exercises to do every day to build that those just to keep flexibility. Cause when you sit around all day, you lose a lot of flexibility in your muscles. Mm-hmm. And so making sure each day you take time to stretch and uh, get those muscles reactivated. That's, that's really good for you. Yeah. So, great question. I, great question. I got a, I have a quick question from uh, my community tab and it is about the Camino de Santiago, which I won't dive deep in depth here. But uh, basically, my wife and I are still planning to do the Camino de Santiago in Spain. Basically, you walk across Spain from east to west till you reach the sea. Are you not going to do the part that starts in France? Yeah, you start in France, just over the border. And then, I mean, there's different routes you can take. But we're planning on taking that route called the French Way. And um, this question is about the gear that you take. Um, Robert says, do you already have a backpack and uh, rough loadout in mind that you want to take on that trip? And then he says, guessing you won't need a lot of camping equipment. What size pack and what are you planning on taking? So I'll keep this brief. COVID has really thrown a wrench in the plans to do anything international. (laughs) So every country has their own rules and we have put that on the back burner, but we are still planning on going, just waiting for some stuff to settle down, of course. So um, whenever we do it, you don't need a whole lot. You're right. So my plan at the moment is probably for both of us to take a warm weather sleeping bag because you'd be staying in hostels, and I don't really want to use their their sheets and stuff. Well, and you have to be careful, too, because uh, there are some hostels along the way that they've been known for bed bugs. Mm-hmm. on that trail that, so that is a hostile killer if you're known for bed bugs <clears throat> like that is like the ticket to out of business yep so other than that i really don't need a whole lot you're right you know you you kind of buy your food as you go and you get some snacks each day and my my only other pieces of gear would be at the moment and of course this is going to change closer to time but just our clothing and uh you know our shoes 
that's about it. I would love to take some extra stuff and maybe rent a locker somewhere and get that and do a little bit of vacationing or something like that. Maybe do some urban backpacking instead of like through the back country while I'm over there too. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll wait till closer to time. Yeah. Here's a question. That's good too. I, I like this. This is from uh, Jeremy Blossy. Um, I'm considering a DCF tarp from hammock gear or Dutch where I use 11 foot gathered in hammocks. Is it worth the $400 price tag? 11 or 12 foot ridgeline doors or not. Thank you for your thoughts. I actually just bought this past spring a 12-foot hammock gear standard tarp with doors, uh, the Dyneema one, and I absolutely love it. It It's 7.9 ounces. I mean, that's all you need to know. It's less than half a pound, like just under half a pound. And when you consider a tarp made of Silpoly is that's 12 feet is like 20 ounces, you know, 21 ounces, something like that. Um, it's a no brainer. You can take a pound and a half off of your, your weight. Heck yes, dude. Or a pound off, I guess, whatever it is. You take a pound off of your weight. I'm doing that. You know what I mean? And, uh, they're really easy to set up. And actually I think the, the DCF tarp is actually easier to store than my, uh, my still poly ones. Cause the, it's so stiff. It kind of keeps it. Sh- Hang on. I'll show you even actually. All right. And I have a different answer once you're done. Right here. Like, this thing stays like this. I don't have to, like, fight with it. It just stays rolled up. It's If I did this with my Silpoly tarp, it would just kind of flop all over the place. You have to keep it in a stuff sack because if you don't, it doesn't it doesn't hold any shape when you're when you're storing it. So, uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm DCF all the way on the tarp. Well, my answer is yes and no. When I'm first starting backpacking, I don't want to spend that kind of money because I don't know what I need or what I like yet. Mm-hmm. Now, I still don't have a DCF tarp. Like I said earlier, my go-to is the Warbonnet Thunderfly. And I love the Silpoly. There's give and take with everything. So Silpoly, it's going to compress better than what, what John showed you on the screen there. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of it. But it uh, it's also going to be heavier and it's going to absorb water. Where the DCF, you can basically just shake that thing dry, and it, it dries super, super fast, and it doesn't doesn't absorb that water, and you have to carry it with you during the day if you've you know slept in the rain all night. So it's much cheaper, though, to not go with the DCF. So it's yeah. all about what fits your needs best. And right now, for yeah. me, the Silpoly is the way to go. Yeah, but I would say if if it's something where it's you're trying to cut weight and you're not afraid of the price tag, it's definitely worth it. I mean, it's not a wasted four hundred dollars. It absolutely isn't. I can say that without a doubt. Not a weight, not wasted money in any shape. Um, here's a question for us. Oh, this is a uh, what's the skinny on the Zolio? Any chance for a new lighter version? I haven't heard anything about a new version of it. I just know I like it. So uh, that's Joel. I met Joel. This is what I think it is. We met up at Pictured Rocks up in the UP this past spring. We kind of ran across each other on trail, which was pretty cool. We got to sit and chat for just a second. And I think he was actually in the Red River Gorge this weekend. So what's up, Joel? Wow, that's awesome. So uh, I'm going to pull a question, if it's okay with you, from our Instagram. Oh, please do. Uh, this question comes from Dave Offgrid. And that's Dave underscore off underscore grid. 
This question is about the podcast. So for those that are interested, my question is, how do you select your guest and what is the process to have guests have a guest on the show? It depends on how much they'll pay us. (laughs) I wish we have never, (laughs) ever got paid to have a guest on. Shook paid out the nose, man. Like he just, he, he forked out the cash. He was begged to be on our show so bad. Same with same with Skirka. Skirka just begged. Like we kept telling him for months, it, you're not paying us enough money, bro. Like that's hilarious. So typically, John and I will um, find somebody that we're either friends with, or we find interesting, or maybe we heard a story about them, or somebody suggested them to us, and we'll kind of reach out, and that could be via email, or it could be you know if we know them, we'll just text them or maybe it's a DM on Instagram, some sort of social media typically. And uh, we'll tell them, you know, basically we have this podcast. It's literally called the Backpacking Podcast. So if that's what you do, it could be a good fit for you. And we talk to them, build a relationship, get to know them a little bit, and have them on. Yeah, we've gotten to meet some real. we got some really cool people that are going to be on this year. Like, we've got some really cool people that are going to be on. Uh, next week's guest is a complete surprise. But uh, after that, we'll, we'll kind of start announcing the guests after next week. But uh, Jeff Peters says, get Dixie on the podcast. We are trying. And I can say, I will confirm that I got a return message from her. And it was a positive one. That does not mean so. she's going to be on the podcast yet. But, <laughs> no, uh, but we are, we have, I have actually conversed with Dixie. And I'm hoping, man, we'd love to have her on here because she's a lot of fun. So Dixie, for those that don't know, um, she has a YouTube channel called Homemade Wonderlust. Um, she goes by Dixie. Her name's Jessica, and she is a triple crowner, and she has done the Camino de Santiago, among other trails like the Penhody. And uh, John and I, I, I think, are both, you know, longtime fans of hers. And she actually helped inspire me to um, start my own YouTube channel to share my journey of learning to backpack. Because before I started that YouTube channel, I started that in October. And my first backpacking trip ever was in May or June. So that's not very long. And I wanted to kind of um, dedicate my journey to helping other people increase their quality of life on trail. And that's the whole goal of my YouTube channel. And Dixie was a big part of that. You know, her and also Darwin and among others. But I'd love to get to sit down and talk to her for a while. I think that would be such a pleasure. Yeah, my my main inspiration from YouTube when I was getting started uh, was Jeremiah Stringer. Um, that you know uh, the inspiration and the just it. I mean, I, I, there's not much else I can say. You know, uh, just if you ever get to meet him, you'd you'd love him, Jeremiah. He's fantastic. So. <laughs> well, thanks, John. Um, you want another question? Yeah, let's get another question in there, man. All right, so. As you all know, the weather is a turning and except for fall, today, it's 80 except, something degrees today. That's true. Depending on where you live, maybe your weather's not turning. We live in Kentucky and it has been nice and chill and it has felt like fall all last week. And then this week, we got smacked right in the face with a big old backhand from summer. I mean, oh, it's yeah. like 85 every day. So, fall is my favorite season in general. You get football, you know, everything starts to cool down, the leaves change, and Backpacking in the summer can be miserable. So, like, yeah, like, love to wonder, 106 degrees here. Cool. Wow. 
Where do you live? At? Oh my gosh, that is crazy. That's so, so hot. With with fall arriving, um, I start adding some layers into my backpacking setup. Yep. So this question is all about that. Um, it comes from Armand Latour. I'm guessing is how you say that. Terrible with names. Uh, what is your base layer and mid layer choices for cold weather backpacking and camping? And do you prefer synthetics or wool slash alpaca? It's an interesting question. Uh, I just actually got a new layer today in the mail from a company called Senchi Designs. And they make hoodies, but they're super light and super airy. But if you were to wear them as a mid layer, they keep you warm. And uh, I think it's called the Ren hoodie is what I got. Mm -hmm. And it literally just came in today. Like I was trying, I was just now looking for it to see if I brought it in here, but I can't, I can't find it anywhere. But uh, I just got it today. Uh, I can't wait to try it out. Um, going to be going to the Savage Gulf in Tennessee in a few weeks. And uh, going to probably try it out there and see how it does. Uh, but for me, I like the uh, outdoor research. Um, oh, what is the hoodie I've been wearing lately? It's just a really thin hoodie. Um, I can wear it in the summertime, and it's like a sun hoodie. And I wear that under as my base layer, and then I'll put like a a light hoodie over that. Um, and then it's a puffy jacket and then a raincoat to finish it off typically for me. Yeah, I so my typical go-to is long sleeve even in the summer because I'm fair-skinned. I don't want to get sunburned. And the performance uh, performance fishing gear shirts by Columbia are awesome. My only gripe is, since I'm so tall, um, sometimes my arms are too long for the sleeves to fit right. So sometimes that's not super great. But other than that, that shirt is awesome. But I'm excited. I don't want to give them too much airtime here because it's on the YouTube channel, but I'm partnering with a company called Revolution Race, and they're out of Sweden, and I'm going to be using theirs, their shirt as a base layer. And after I do a base layer, my mid layer, or just around camp, my base layer is a smart wool, like 150 weight uh, top and a 250 weight bottom. But... In the summertime, I don't really use those a whole lot because you can start sweating. So in the yeah. cooler weather, Smart Wool is so awesome. I absolutely love their stuff as my base layer. And then like John said, the next layer after the mid um, is going to be a puffy. Like Ghost Whisper is my go-to. But I also have a synthetic puffy that I like. The Smart Wool, I like the wool. I think it's a, a wool blend or maybe it's just merino wool. But wool is great. It doesn't lose its insulation value whenever it gets wet, and it just feels good on your skin. It's nice and soft. Yeah, I like uh, I like synthetics actually. For for me, like I love grid fleece. I've mm -hmm. got an Arcteryx grid fleece that I like a lot. That I've used that that I'll use in the wintertime as a mid layer. It's a little warmer than the uh, Senshi Designs, and in like cooler, like not really cold weather, but a little too cool for the Senshi uh, hoodie. Um, I really like the Outdoor Vitals Dragon Wool hoodie i wore that down to grayson highlands and i've worn it a lot of places actually but on my grayson highlands trip it got down to 30 31 mm -hmm. and i basically just hiked with that and a shirt underneath it um 
and it was great. It was it was really comfortable. Jeff Peters asks, John, any luck with the uh, Appalachian Gear Company? No, never. <laughs> it's so funny. Like it, they. Okay, so here's what happens. Like every time I they, they put out these things and say we've got new stock, and so I'll go in and go to buy one. And they won't have my color or they won't have my size. And it's like, if I'm going to fork out the kind of money you've got to fork out to buy one of these things. I want the color I want, obviously. And I have to have the right size. But I've just had no luck. So that, that's actually why I ended up buying the Senchi Design sweatshirt <laughs> or hoodie because uh, I just couldn't get an app gear one. So uh found out about Senchi Designs through uh, the live stream we did with, uh, who was it from uh, Garage Grown Gear that we had on? Um, but we talked, we talked about garage grown gear and he, he brought up the Senshi designs hoodie. Mm-hmm. And so I bought one and, uh, just came in today. So I'm super excited about getting to use that one, but sorry, yeah. no alpaca for me. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll stay on notice. We'll keep waiting on that. Uh, this question comes from Kyle Ridge jumper. Kyle asks, what do you all do with your vehicle keys and wallet while you're out? And do you take a different wallet with just a few things in it? I'll let you go first, John. I don't know if I want to give too much about this. Mm-hmm. Because uh, this is a public video <laughs> explaining where <laughs> I put my stuff. Um, but I will say that I uh, just had a light go out on me. Um, I know for me, I... Uh, I always have my keys in my backpack, usually mm-hmm. in one of the side pockets on the belt or in my fanny pack. Um, and if I'm day hiking, it's usually in, I use the mile backpack from Waymark and they've got a really cool waterproof zipper area and I'll put it, I'll put that in that pocket a lot of times. Uh, my keys will go in there. My wallet will go in there. Um, yeah, I just, I store them somewhere in my within my stuff. I don't usually keep it in my pockets because there's too much of a chance of it falling out during something. Um, sure. The only thing that's actually in my pockets is usually my phone, unless I've got it on my chest. Um, and then I've got a knife with me at all times, and it's clipped to my pocket, so it's not going anywhere unless I want it to. Right. Well, mine, uh, I typically just leave the keys in the ignition, and then my wallet just goes in the center console of my vehicle leave the doors unlocked so nobody breaks the window. And if it's there, whenever I get back, I thank the good Lord. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> None of that is true. I I do like to, um, whenever I'm going backpacking, now I'm very minimal when it comes to my wallet anyway. But whenever I go backpacking, if I'm just driving straight to a trip, I don't take my whole wallet with me. Most of the time, I will use like a little zip wallet Maybe it is, I have one that is from Chicken Tramper, Ultralight Gear. And if I remember right, it's made of X-Pack. And it's just one zipper, one pocket, and I I stick like a little bit of cash in there. And then my driver's license and at least one debit or credit card. And a lot of people have told me, you should also also keep your health insurance information there. So if you got an insurance card, that would be a good resource to have with you. You know, especially if you get hurt out there. So there's that. I don't like taking my whole wallet. And then for the keys, many, many backpacks are going to have some compartment in it with a little clip. So if you use a fanny pack, um, you can clip your keys in there. Or if you have a backpack like the Shadow Light backpack by um, Outdoor Vitals, each one of the hip belt pockets has a clip in it that you can clip your keys in, and then you're not going to lose them. So 
I do have an alternative, though. Oh, yeah, Rusty says, shout out to Chicken Tramper. Michigan represent, yeah. Yep, big fans. They are right behind me, right there. Oh, the Sea Tug. Yeah. So, sometimes instead of keeping that stuff in my backpack or in some other compartment, you know, maybe a fanny pack or something, I a lot of times will wear either cargo shorts, you know, they're synthetic, or cargo pants. They're synthetic. And then I have a forever pocket. I like that pocket to zip. You don't wear cotton pants? <laughs> you don't, you don't like in blue jeans? No, I wear blue jeans all the time, but not on trail. But on trail, I like a, a forever pocket. And it's a pocket that the only time it's zipped or unzipped is when I'm at the vehicle. And I'll keep that wallet in there. I'll keep my keys in there. Anything valuable um, that I don't want to lose I'll keep it in there, and that pocket is never unzipped on trail. And then when I get back to the vehicle, I'll be like, I hope that stuff's in my forever pocket. And if it is, I'm good. So it just depends on the trip and what gear I'm taking, but it could be stored in my pack or something, or it could be uh, on my person. I'm just curious. Uh, I just noticed. Where, let me see if I can find the comment here. It's, yeah, Ink Blots. He put that he likes the inside small pouch on his ULA Photon. For those people wondering, it's a it's a frameless pack by uh, ULA. I believe it's frameless. Um, and it's got a max load of like 18 pounds, so it's it's an ultra-light backpack. I'm just curious what you think about that backpack, Inkblots. If you leave some comments below, I've, I've looked at that backpack before, and I've, I've just been curious about it. I used to have the uh, CDT, and I did not like that. So uh, I'm curious what you think about the Photon. So if you want to comment and leave that, I'd be interested. I, I got a question about shoes here. And Ooh. I'm going to kind of spin it a little bit. But this is from Crazy Zombie D. That's a great what, name. <laughs> I know. It says, what is a good budget hiking shoe? And I want to spin it a little bit because mm. I don't want you to get in the mindset of everything has to be budget because there's some things yeah. that – Personally, myself, I don't want to skimp on, but John, what would be a good budget shoe, and what kind of budget are we talking about for this? I think most of the time you're over a hundred bucks for a, a good hiking shoe, unless it's yeah, on. Yeah, I'm I'm real careful with the with budget on shoes because here's the thing: um, your feet and your back are the two most important things you got, and if either of them are out, you're done backpacking, like period. Um, and and just getting shoes because they cost less is probably not a good idea. I would, I would say save your money, and if you got some really good like tennis shoes, just wear those for right now until you can afford some really good hiking shoes, because those will probably be better on your feet than cheap hiking shoes would. Um, some good ones that aren't as expensive, they're heavy, but they're good are uh, the the Moabs by Merrill. Um, I hiked almost all of Kilimanjaro wearing Moabs. I had to switch out to boots when we got to the more Arctic area. Um, I hiked a lot of the Sheltoe Trace in Moabs. I actually started out in Ultra Lone Peaks, and they tore my feet up. And so I switched over to the Moabs, and uh, they did great. They're heavier, but uh, and you can usually you can find them sometimes on Amazon for like seventy five, eighty bucks. Um, but they're right around that ninety to hundred dollar range. They're not the hundred thirty to hundred fifty range, um, and people have been using those for years. I think everybody, most guys I've talked to, started out using those. Those were the first hiking shoes they had. Um, they're kind of, uh, 
kind of a hybrid between hiking boots and, and trail runners. Um, a little chunky. Darwin really loved them. I remember watching him years ago. He I still them. love them. I still have a pair I wear around. I still like them a lot. Um, they're just heavy. And if you're trying to do long miles, like if you're just doing smaller hikes, upwards of like six to seven miles max, um, you'll probably never have a problem with them. They'll probably be fine for either for the rest of your life. Um, but uh, I just, I'm not, I'm real careful with saying budget shoes. Like I, the same thing with backpacks. Like those are two things I just don't think, I don't like budget on those two things because I think they're too important for multiple reasons. You know what I mean? Well, here's a couple of strategies. If you are on kind of a shoestring budget, no pun intended, what you can shoestring do. budget? That was pretty good. <laughs> that was, I see what you did there. What you can do is a lot of these shoe companies come out with a different version every season. And if you go with the uh, the old version, most of the time there's nothing wrong with that shoe. You know, every shoe is going to be a different fit for different feet. So you got to find the right shoe for you. But if, you know, if Ultra comes out with a 5.0 and last season it was a 4.5, they're probably only making some minor changes. Could be good, could be bad. We talked about that in the past. But go with the the last year's version. And a lot of times they'll be on sale because they're trying to get rid of that inventory. Another thing you can do is coupon. Like REI, if you sign up to be a member with them, I think it's like $20 for life or something. And then anytime you spend money, they give you so many points, like a rebate. And they also send you coupons in the mail for 20% off this, 10% off this. So if you can coupon it, do that. But you want to be careful on, uh, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. Like I'm not trying to dog you here. But you want to um, spend some money you're comfortable spending on your shoes because they're your one point of contact or two points of contact rather with the ground. And it's also understanding that what works for somebody isn't going to work for you. Like just because it, just because everybody on the planet was using uh, the ultra lone peaks, I got them and they were horrible for me. Like they were just horrible. They didn't work for me, but they worked for everybody. They worked for a bunch of other people and shoes. I've used didn't work for other people. Every foot is different. Um, and, and there's so many things that weigh that that go into it too. I mean, if you're overweight, a trail runner with very little cushion is not a good idea. Like you have a really good chance of screwing your feet up with that. Um, and that's what happened to me at the time was I was a heavier guy using these ultra lone peaks that don't have a whole lot of cushion to them. When if I'd have maybe bought the Olympus or something like that, my feet would have been better mm-hmm. off. Um, which is why the Moabs actually worked for me because of, of my weight. They handled my weight way better than the ultra lone peaks did. Um, also, if you got really skinny feet, Altras may not be the best shoes for you because they're too wide. Uh, right. Darren or Devin Ashby from uh, Backcountry Exposure, he hates he hates wearing them because his feet are too thin, and uh, he's got he's got skinnier feet, so he doesn't like using shoes with gigantic toe boxes and all that. Um, at least that's what he said before. I've heard him say that before. So um, yeah, so like it's just a matter of. It's it's who you are. What what fits your feet beds? Don't buy something just because of the price. Right. Go try them on. Like, don't get don't get on Amazon and just go buy a pair of shoes because they look cool. Like, go find an outfitter, an REI, or something. You know, Dick Sporting Goods. I don't know. Just find some place where you can try on some shoes and see how they fit, and then see if you can get them cheaper online. Yeah, and if you if you don't have an outfitter around you, 
one thing you can do is you can buy online, but you want to buy it from a dealer that you know you can return it to. So, like, I have a friend that um, she buys a lot of stuff online from Amazon when it comes to clothing and shoes and stuff. And what she does is she puts it all on a credit card. Now, she doesn't use a credit card a lot, but she'll put it all on a credit card and she'll buy, like, where maybe it's four pairs of shoes from four different companies. She might want, or she might want different sizes to try them and then returns them. And if they have free returns and you don't use the shoe, typically you don't run into an issue with it. So you can do that too. Um, but of course that's going to cost you more up front. And if you run into a problem, then you could get charged for that. So something to keep in mind, but girl plus dog adventures says REI used gear has good deals on shoes. So yeah. REI has like these garage sales, they call them, or that's what they used to call them. I don't know what they call them now, but Sometimes the outlet, the outlet can be pretty good too. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, outlet Both can be, of those. be really good. So people will return stuff and then they can't sell it for full retail because it's been used. Maybe the people use the shoes on one trip. So if you're okay with using a pair of shoes that somebody else has worn, you know, that is another great option to knock some of the price off because you're going to get it like less, you're going to pay less than half of retail probably. You know, they're selling them dirt cheap. And don't be afraid of a brand because you think that they're a, they're not made for, like, hiking. Um, I was watching somebody the other day online who swears by New Balance hiking shoes. Like, they're trail runners. Swears Bridget by had them. a pair. Bridget had and, a pair and, and liked them. Yeah, and, and Adidas makes the Terex. I think they're called Terex shoes. Uh, don't be afraid of companies that maybe don't sound like back. they'd be backpacking brands. They may be perfect for you. Like, try everything. Don't be afraid to try things to try them, you know? Uh, I got this on here that somebody just asked. This is Ruben. He says, my daughter wants to know how many backpacks you have. (laughs) (laughs) He's counting them right now. I think they're all hanging around right behind him. I think I have eight, but one of them's a child carrier. One of them's a Gregory pack from like 1991. Um, I, I've got, I've got an Osprey pack that I wore on Kilimanjaro, but I wouldn't use for backpacking. Um, and then I've got up, but here's the thing. Since this time last year, I've gotten three new brand or three new backpack or four new backpacks. So like I got the mile backpack from Waymark. I got the chicken tramper backpack. I got the Atmos and I got the, uh, shadow light from, uh, outdoor vitals. So yeah. He's a collector. <laughs> He's collective backpacks. Uh, I'm terrible about stuff like that, dude. I have this, like, they call it an addictive personality. Like, I don't know what this has to do with being addictive. But uh, I have an addictive personality. When I get excited about something or I do something, I just can't help but uh, just keep buying up new stuff. Like, I'm terrible about it. It's it's such a bad thing for me. It's so I bad. Got, I have one more question for you. Okay. And this, this probably needs the last one of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We uh, typically we go about an hour, but uh, it's so fun interacting with the audience because it's like having a guest on, except you all are the guest. And if you missed it, or if you're just listening, you know, on on your podcast app, Spotify or whatever, then you can go back and watch the uh, the live streams. They're on the YouTube channel. They're like saved on there. So. Uh, anyway, this last question is from Following Walker's World. 
which is a YouTube channel and uh, makes great content. Question for you, JK, how the heck are you? Seemed a bit down after your COVID-19 bout. Uh, we don't know each other, but I enjoy what you're doing. and Keep going. Oh, and hey, what's up, Jeremiah? So John, <laughs> <laughs> John, how are you doing, man? Seriously, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I uh, I definitely had a tough time with the COVID. Like, uh, um, there was actually a point where I almost canceled my YouTube channel. Like, as weird as that sounds, I I legitimately thought about just ending the YouTube channel. I was kind of like, I was at the the point of uh worn out but it was it wasn't because of youtube it was it was more of the whole thing of uh i i got covid the second or third week of july and so i was down for about two weeks with that and then just couldn't get my wind back for about a month after that well two weeks after i healed up from covid my wife got covid from a lady at work and then she had it for two weeks and my kids didn't get COVID, but they had been exposed to her. So they had to quarantine and they also, my, my daughter and son both got RSV and my son had an ear infection. And so I couldn't, I didn't have time to make videos. I didn't have time to edit. I didn't have time to do anything. I just got to the point where I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> had nothing to do with YouTube. It had nothing to do with YouTube. It was just life sucked there for about six weeks. And, uh, luckily everybody's healthy now. And now we're kind of bulletproof. Cause we, we, you know, my wife was vaccined and had COVID. I was mm. getting the vaccine the week after I got COVID. So I'm actually going to get the vaccine. I may be getting the vaccine to my first shot tomorrow, uh, for that. But, uh, man, it's just crazy. Like, uh, it was a rough time, but I'm good, man. I'm glad. Thank you for asking. That's really nice of you to ask that. Um, but, uh, the more important question was at the end, how you doing, Jeremiah? <laughs> and my camera I, just turns off right as I ask that question. So I I'm doing very well. Um people I I'm so happy for all the support we get because what we do um sometimes it's very it it sometimes it's very monotonous and Sometimes it's just hard, and I I don't want to complain about it because I I'm so blessed. Yeah, I'm so blessed with the life that I live and and my health and my job and everything. But sometimes, um, you know, people don't understand that YouTube. Like, you could spend twenty hours a week easily with all the emailing and with videoing and editing and planning a trip and you know, negotiating contracts with companies if you want to do any type of sponsorships and, you know, staying connected with your audience. There's just a lot. And then we also have this podcast, and I absolutely love this podcast. It takes time, too. And then, you know, you have a family. I have a family. You know, um, we both have church lives. And you, you, there's just so, only so much time. Everybody only has 24 hours in a day. I've said it before. And I'm so thankful for people that want to spend some of that time with us, either on YouTube or here on the podcast. And uh, I'm back in school now. Everything's pretty crazy because of COVID. And uh, we got a lot of kids that are having to quarantine because they're exposed to COVID. So 
it's it's pretty good. I'm excited for my my backpacking season the fall to get started because in the summer I just spend a lot of lake time. But it's going to be nice being in the woods, having time to think, spending time with friends, and not just uh, blistering in the sun during the summer. So <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. I, I want to just kind of I want to piggyback on what you're saying too. Like I, I think it's I don't think we say this enough how how much we appreciate the people that take time to like be on here and listen to what we're doing, you know, who actually say, Hey, I'm going to take an hour or two hours out of my life every week and watch these two doofuses talk about backpacking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's really appreciated. You know, it's like, uh, we're not professional backpackers. We're just guys who love it. And we both like helping people. Like this is just kind of anything we can do to help people enjoy things more. We want to do it. Um, just really cool. Jackson Cooper just uh, super chatted us. No question. Just appreciate you guys. Man, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, I have one thing I want to put up here at, to, to finish the show because I think, Jeremiah, you're going to agree with me that this comment probably means more to us than anything else that's been commented on anything else today. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. And I want to add your name to this because I believe this too. But it says, thank you, JK. You inspired me to carry a frozen steak up 1,700 feet of elevation last weekend. <laughs> And that's what it's all about, man, right there. When we can inspire man. people to carry steak up a 1,700-foot elevation gain, then we know we've done our job right. Well, <laughs> I hope that that steak put a smile on Charred Tree's face. Well, if you're going to climb that many feet, it. I'm sure it put a smile on his face at the end of the day. Wow, so. awesome. And thank you, Joel, or is it Joel? It's Joel. Joel, thank you so much. Joel says, uh, great time, and thanks, gents. I've had such a blast tonight, and it is so refreshing to get back to to live streaming and, and talking to people. And John and I, we've had fun over the summer just talking to the two of us. And I love to wonder, says, and poop, all cats. We're, we're back. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Much love to you all. Yep, and next week we'll have a special guest on. You guys are going to have to wait to see who that is, but we are going to have a special guest on next week. And uh, we've got a lot of great guests coming up. Uh, some of them are going to be on the live stream. We've got one or two that may just be uh, uh, audio only, but you can still see them on YouTube. Um, but we got some great guests coming up. I'm looking forward to the season, man. It's been, I've missed this. I've missed this big time. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we're back. Uh, well, I just can't believe that we're bigger than Monday Night Football. Oh, I know. I know. It's pretty awesome that people would actually rather watch this than football. Although, who really cares about the Baltimore Ravens? I just want to throw that out there. So, wow, uh, shots fired. <laughs> with that said, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, for myself and Jeremiah, we will catch you guys on the next go-round. Adios, folks. <laughs>